0: Oh, hello, kids, and welcome to season two and episode number 25 of the Eager Beaver podcast, a podcast providing incisive commentary on Canadian politics and general culture. Today, recording day is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, and it is a typical spring day here at the Beaver Lodge, for which I'm grateful because my beaver sweetie and I got to enjoy the snowballs. I'm your host, The Eager Beaver, pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver, A, eh? And I am delighted that you and that some, well, so many of you have found us and have decided to spend some time with us. Whether you're enjoying the arrival of golf season or are already mourning the end of ski season, all are welcome. And a particular shout out to our friends from the Facebook page, Progressive Discussions in Canadian Politics, who have invited us to distribute our podcasts on their platform. As well as a shout out to Pierre Hamel, your experienced, non-certified life coach from the Disgruntled Life Coach podcast, who's become a fan of ours and we are of his. He's trying to make the world a better place, one disgruntled individual at a time. So if you have a chance to check them out, kids, please do. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster. The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com, who have been very early adopters of our podcast, they've been hooked on us ever since, and we on them on this episode, a very special one for you. As you know, Kits, uh, we've been growing and things have been busy around here. And we've also uh, recorded a few interviews, uh, uh, which has changed our recording schedule. So we haven't been able to record a full flagship for you this week, but we had some important uh, COVID information. So we have a special Coast to Coast to Coast COVID episode for you. Uh, So it's shorter than our regular ones, but we wanted to get the information out as soon as possible. With each episode, we grow a little more and get one step closer to eager beaver world domination. But we got a few billion more steps to go before we get there. So kids, lace up your walking shoes because here we go. Before we get to it, and before we greet Mr. Grizzly, I'd like to take a moment to highlight that March 31st was Transgender Day of Visibility, and that one of the reasons I state my pronouns in the intro, even though I self-identify as cisgender, is to let any transgender kids who may be listening know that they are most definitely welcome to and are cherished members of the Beaver Lodge. And also, we would like to wish Ramadan Mubarak to all the Muslim kids who are observing May peace be upon you, those you love, and all your celebrations. And with that, how about we check in with our show's guru of all things gear? Hey there, Mister Grizzly. As-salamu alaykum, Mister Beaver. Ah, very, very good. You know, not have to be
1: observant. You know, we're, we're a multicultural yeah. nation, and we need to uh, we need to observe that. Yeah. And, and I do have to say that I. I, I um, my email signature and, and my Twitter signature do identify my pronouns as he, him, dude. Uh, because it was a friend of mine who pointed out to me a few years ago, the reason you do that, I'm like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? And he says, well, the reason you do that is to sh- to show someone who is trans that you actually do care about them as a human being and you mm-hmm. do care about their pronouns. So by showing yours, it's it's an automatic sort of, hey, how's it going? Uh, you matter too. I'm like, oh, Okay, done. Did it? No problem. It's yeah. in my email signature at work as well. And I, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of people attack me on Twitter for it. Oh yeah, one of those guys. And I'm like, so if you're threatened by my pronouns, what does that say about you?
0: Mm-hmm. Right? And it's also very, it's also very practical because we live in a multicultural society, and you know, if we're writing by correspondence, we have there's a lot of people whose names we don't know if. That's right it's just being the name if we're dealing with a man or a woman or someone who's trans so by including you know your pronouns it makes it easy for someone to actually start a letter back to you no, <laughs> Certainly but it, it, it's
1: more than that it's it breaks down to this simple fact that you're just showing respect for another human being
0: yeah. Right. You no, know, the yeah, the, what I was saying was just an added bonus on top of that. Oh yes, of it, course, of course. I'm, I'm just
1: trying to simplify things. You know me. Well, let's not get too.
0: Complicated. Oh yes, yeah, yes. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the primary reason why you do it is to show respect and to you know let people know that you're safe here. Exactly. Exactly. You can talk to me, right? You know, I mean,
1: it's a complicated world. Why do you need to complicate it anymore by being in, you know difficult about your pronouns? I I don't I don't get that. It's like these are my pronouns. What are yours? Just and I'm happy to, to refer to you as whatever you want to be referred to. You just tell me. Exactly.
0: That's you know? just basic respect, right? Rule well, number one of life, don't be a douche. And, and how much
1: effort does it take on my part? Zero. Big yeah. fat donut. I ask a simple question. What are your pronouns? Thank you. Okay, cool. Because I don't, you know, somebody says, wow, that's just too much. I go, what What do you mean it's too much work? It's too much work to be a kind, considerate, compassionate human being. You know what I say to that? Oh, I'm going to hold up two middle digits on each hand for that one.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, you know,
1: I don't like to drop F-bombs on the show. Yes, Occasionally I do when I'm very, very upset and angry, but I, I don't like to do it as a, as, a, as a habit. But every now and then, you know, a properly timed one is fitting, right?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How's your mental health today? Um, good, really good. Uh, busy, 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 busy work day. Um, and I was a little bit mentally exhausted from the work day, but it's, it's good. Surprisingly good. I think the weather has a lot to do with it too, you know, plus 13 sunshine. Uh, you really feel like spring is here now, you know, mm-hmm. and how about yourself? You good for you. You, you, you're doing well. I know you got a lot of other stuff on your plate as well. Aside from this, of course, and, 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 and your, your day job, you have, you know, all the acting and you got a radio voiceover gig coming up and you got a lot of stuff on your plate, right? Yeah, yeah, no,
0: there's a lot going on. And, uh, because spring, you know, uh, you know, we moved into our new home in March uh, March and August last year. So right. we're looking at establishing a garden. So, you know, there's stuff to do around the house as well. Um, but things are going very well. Actually, right now I'm very, very happy because my curling team just won its match. <laughs> and we had to play the number two team in our division and we won. Oh, that's <laughs> we always were good. number one team in our division. <laughs> so it was a must win. And uh, yeah, it was a nice, good, consistent game. So I'm a happy little beaver. I'm at the, the point of the season where curling is ending and tennis is just about to start. So I actually have the luxury of both sports.
1: Yeah. It's just that transitional
0: point, right? Yeah. So people offered today, do you want to go play tennis? Cause it's nice. And it was like, how about four 30? It was like, no, I curl at five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little bummed cause I, I didn't get to ski as much as I planned on this year. And, mm. uh, you know, living where I live in Ottawa for three weeks, Mm -hmm. it was not easy to try and drive to a ski hill um just because it was it was it's it's complicated and um I didn't want to run the risk of getting my car completely destroyed if any one of those um idiots recognized me because it Mm -hmm. is a leased vehicle sure it's 100 percent covered by insurance but who needs that headache yes right uh, so, yeah, I didn't get to ski as much as I wanted to this season. So, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat, you know, melancholy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought about doing a, a trombla weekend, but when I looked at what that would cost, I went, ooh, uh, no, 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 no. I bought all this new audio equipment for this show that we're doing. <laughs> I'm going to be paying for it for a little while. So, yeah, is going to have to wait till next season. So, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But... Today was actually warm enough to go cycling. I didn't because uh, I was emotionally exhausted at the end of the workday from, you know, a very, very busy mentally taxing day. Not, not in a bad way, just busy, right? And I thought it was warm enough to go cycling, but I just, my bike, I need to tune it up a little bit, and I know that it would have not been a great ride. Mm. They, they mm-hmm. swept the streets last night, actually, Ooh. at 3 a.m., Oh, not so nice. No, because I'm lying in bed and I had just peeled the, the window insulation off my bedroom. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, well, it's getting kind of warm in here and I want to be able to open the window and, you know, peel off that winter window insulation, which also worked very well as uh, somewhat of a sound baffle. I mean, it wouldn't block the sound of train horns, but, but the, the street sweepers, it would bring it down a little bit. So I had the window cracked open a little bit last night. It was very, very loud. So, at <laughs> 3 a.m., I'm like, what the hell is that noise? What am I? What is going on? Like, startled, jumped out of bed, looked out the window. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I guess. Why, why now? Why at 3 a.m.? Oh, I know why, because I live on a very, very busy downtown thoroughfare, which is a direct line to Parliament Hill. Yeah. It's really about the only time they can do it, realistically. So... <sighs>
0: A sleepless night, but necessary. Hmm. Well, hopefully what we've got to say will uh, give you a little bit of energy. Shall we get to it? I think we shall. All right, let's do this.
1: Coast to coast to coast COVID and convoy
0: update. While the Public Health Agency of Canada is not yet ready to declare it nationwide, the public health officers of certain provinces have already indeed certified that we have commenced a sixth wave. <sighs> about 33 days into the great unmasking of 2022, according to the agency, over the last week, diagnosed cases of COVID have increased on average 28 percent. With the provinces of British Columbia, Quebec, and Ontario being the most effective uh, affected. Affected. Yeah. yeah Thanks, sorry Doug Ford. About. <laughs> uh, the active case load is estimated to be 160,000, that was a few days ago, so it's probably a little higher now. Mm. The bottom
1: line is everybody right now, I think, should still wear their mask and keep those layers of measures, no matter where you are in this country. Because even if you don't see a resurgence now, you're probably going to, in the next days or weeks and that you know taking precautions will help reduce transmission and make sure that the impact on the health system
0: is lowered, warned Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. Theresa Tam. Yes, kids, about 33 days into the great Unmasking game of 2022, a.k.a. best spring ever, best once spring again, ever. Ooh, <laughs> registered trademark. Once again, as was the case during previous waves, a good number of Canada's, primarily conservatives, uh, premiers appear to want to wait and see whether the modeling comes true. Because that worked so well for us in waves three, and four, and five. (sighs) So let's see how we're doing. Uh Exactly, exactly. Uh, Let's see how we're doing. Well, why don't we? Case reporting numbers from the government of Canada's COVID outbreak update, as of March, uh, sorry, as of April fourth, as imperfect as they are, show that over the past. 17 days or so 100,977 cases have been diagnosed. That's up over 27% from the 79,274 in our last episode. Um that's really really really
1: bad. That's very bad. But hey, cases according were- to Doug, we have 3,000 beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just so absurd. Yeah, we
0: have beds. Uh, But over the past seven days, that number is 55,330, which if you're paying attention, is more than half the 14-day number, which means we're growing. It's up, up and away, up and away in my beautiful COVID balloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we laugh because the alternative
1: is crying, and I don't want to cry. Yeah. Who wants this to confirmed- see two growing men in their forties and fifties cry? Nobody wants to see or hear that, for that matter.
0: No, no, no. This is confirmed by the seven-day rolling number from the COVID Canada outbreak tracker, and yesterday it sat at sixty thousand. 318 up from 44,547 on our last episode, which is greater than 35% increase in about 10 days. I lived in towns considerably smaller than that. Yeah. And that's on top of the 18.7% increase recorded in the 14 days previous.
1: Well, I mean, what, what's the population of Belleville? Like, is it 35,000,
0: 40,000? I don't know off the top of I'll my look head. it up
1: and find out and get back to you in a couple of minutes.
0: All right. Uh, so, <laughs> it's it's and in Manitoba. Yeah, you know, if we're looking at these numbers this week, Manitoba joined the six other jurisdictions no longer reporting weekly numbers. So that data does not include all three Prairie provinces, the territory of Nunavut, and all Atlantic provinces except Newfoundland and Labrador. This really now makes it impossible for the Public Health Agency of Canada to prepare projections for new cases and deaths. The premiers have sabotaged the agency's ability to prepare full modeling. That'll be helpful. Welp.
1: Yeah, you, you, you could s- say that. Um, ouch. So mm-hmm. Belleville, um, Ontario, which is on the 401, right? Quinty West. I believe it's, is it Quinty, Quinty East, sorry, Uh, population as of 2016, that's the latest numbers I could come up with, uh, 50,720.
0: Yep. So So.
1: effectively, uh, the city of Belleville and a couple of the surrounding bedroom communities like Foxboro and that, all sick with COVID, population-wise.
0: Population-wise, yep. (sighs) So, What does uh, the public health agency of Canada say about the latest modeling documents?
1: COVID-19 is expected to be with us for the foreseeable future, and we should expect intermittent waves.
0: The current realistic forecast, according to the agency, is that over the long term, the virus will continue to transmit at a low moderate level and future variants will emerge and potentially impact case counts and severe outcomes. In other words, we may have another mid-to-late fall and early-to-mid-winter wave later this year. Overall, though, the Federal Health Agency says the situation is expected to be
1: manageable for health systems without the need for restrictive public health measures.
0: It still advises that public health bodies continue monitoring and preparing for the possible emergence of a variant that is immune-evasive. A Worst-case scenario According to the agency that our premiers are doing absolutely nothing to avoid by allowing the virus to spread and evolve or mutate last week we wondered hospitalizations which are a lagging number are improving but
1: for how long well file under gee that was quick.
0: The seven-day average hospitalization number for April 3rd was 4,253, up from 3,761 last week, but still just a smidge lower than the number three weeks ago. Where ICU admissions are concerned, the April 3rd seven-day average number was 387, down just 16 from the week prior. That's not a lot. (laughs) And finally, as it pertains to deaths, we had some curious data last week with uh, numbers going up a bit, Mm -hmm. but the April uh, 4th seven day average number was 34 for this period, which is only down three from three weeks ago after that curious bump up. Mm -hmm. so I'm
1: I'm hearing reports and I haven't been able to, to um, ascertain the veracity of them just yet but apparently a few uh, young children who could not be vaccinated died in the past week. I heard it was a dozen. I have. I don't want to spread a rumor. I heard it was a dozen. I don't know that that is factual information. Mm-hmm. If it was one, that's too
0: many. Yes, especially since we've known. right? There's no excuse. None. None. But the most concerning data point to me is still, as it has been for the past month now, that Canada's test positivity rate won't stop rising. Over our past three episodes, we've watched the national test positivity rate go from 11.3% to 13.4% to 14.5%, based on a testing rate of 96 tests per 100,000 population. For an about three-week, 28.3% increase in the positive rate. It's just insane. Oh, well, and you
1: consider that they're, they're not, like, try and find a rat test right now. A rat, I yeah. should say. A rat test. Rapid antigen test. Try and find one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this week, it's worse still. Based on a test rate of 112 tests per 100,000 population, which is up from 96 tests, which means doctors are feeling the need to test more in an era where provincial premiers are really trying to test less. Mm-hmm. Positivity rate is now 18.3%.
1: And again, that's how many? 104 tests per 100,000 people?
0: Yes, 112 tests per 112,
1: 100, sorry. Per 100,000. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> and there's about 38 million people in Canada. Mm, do the numbers. <laughs> They're not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the test positivity rate has shot up at least 62% percent during march ouch and the premiers seem to be fine with that especially ontario premier ford etzel who appears to believe that being the last to do a stupid thing makes it impossible that the thing done was stupid <laughs> the stupid thing being removing
1: mask mandates too quickly uh, i don't think so considering we were one of the last in north america I've been accused of being the most cautious leader in North America. <laughs> Sorry, I can't read that whole thing without laughing. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Everyone else in the country, in the whole country, has taken their masks How does he say this shit with a straight face? Come on. Oh, it's because he believes his own bullshit.
0: Everyone else is taking their masks off. Why can't we? Mom. Mom. <laughs> now, kids, <laughs> I can't say. Doug Ford is lying about being accused of having been the most cautious leader in America. I'll say it. (laughs) It seems to me that's something for which one would be praised rather than accused, right? But I digress. Because after all, he is accused of a lot of things. I'm just giving a moment to let that one sink in. Mm -hmm. But suffice it to say that I consume an insane amount of news daily to do this show and run the blog page. So if he ever once was accused of that, of all the things he's been accused of and the nature of those accusations, this, I believe, would stand out as an accusation among the many, many, many Accusations. (laughs) accusations <laughs> so as i was saying given the quantity of news i consume i never got wind of that <laughs> so from that i'll leave you to make your own inferences and draw your own conclusions after all you are a clever bunch you're listening to this show right wink Nudge nudge cynical i think he
1: gets his reports from the same place that, what's her name, uh, the dictator conservative spouting woman from last week? Henderson? No, Sanderson? What the hell is her name? Taylor? I don't remember. Oh, Thomas. Thomas, thank you. Yeah, Rachel Thomas, Rachel Thomas, Thomas, thank you. Yeah, um, I I think they both get their reports from the same polling firm of many people are sane.
0: That's Mm, mm -hmm. that's, That's the name
1: of the polling firm. Many people are sane. You know, it's a famous polling firm. That's the one that uh, TFG used to use all the time. (laughs) (laughs) TFG means the former guy, former Mm -hmm. president. uh, I like to call him the big liar.
0: The orange menace. (laughs) omicron is now the dominant variant in canada yay having accounted for exactly 50 percent of the cases for the week of march 13th which is the latest compiled data i could find last week we wondered
1: is it a spring wave
0: or spring blip well Truth is, it is still too early to tell. If we look to the UK, it was another hard, fast peak up and down, as was the Omicron BA1 wave, which makes sense, but a wave that still peaked higher than Alpha and Delta in terms of cases, and a wave that reached similar peaks in hospitalizations as BA1. While seemingly fewer are progressing to ICUs, it seems that a greater proportion of those who did ultimately died. The final question we asked was, but are we
1: vaccinated enough?
0: Nearly 85.7% of Canadians five years of age and older have received the first two doses. That's only one tenth of a percent more than on a previous show. But we may be hitting saturation. When it comes to boosters, fewer than 0.4% of Canadians got one over the last 10 days. 47.47% 47.47% up by from 47.1%. Mm. But there has been a slight but marked uptick in vaccines administered on Wednesday and Thursday of, past, of the past week and also on the weekend. So perhaps news of the uncommon wave is stimulating demand. 85% of Canadians 70-plus have their jabs, but only 34% of those 18 to 29 years of age have received their vaccine series. So you're
1: saying I shouldn't go out to the clubs with the kids? Yep, that's what I'm saying.
0: Okay, just just as well. <laughs> yeah, government like, just- anyway. <laughs> officials. I'm a wolf. Yeah, I'd, I I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be invited. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> hey, Gramps, quiet. Gramps, come on over here. Have you ever had tequila? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, government officials continue to encourage the use of masks and suggest anyone who's yet to get a COVID-19 booster should do so. According to the Public Health Agency of Canada, more than 5.1 million eligible Canadians need one or more doses to complete their primary series, so the increased demand may be coming from there. And now, there are additional vaccine options available. The first shipment of Novavax vaccine arrived this week. Dr. Tam says that in light of the current uptake in cases, it's a good time for those who still haven't rolled up their sleeves to get vaccinated. And uh, the Medicago vaccine, which was the Canadian-made vaccine from that company in Quebec, is expected to arrive sometime in May. And that's that's the vegan one, right? (laughs) I still have not been able to confirm whether that's the case. It's made with (laughs)
1: vegetable cellulose or something, so I'm going vegan just because...
0: The latest data indicates that hospitalization rates for those who are boosted are 10 times lower than for those who are unvaccinated. Coverage for first doses among those aged 5 to 11 has plateaued at 57% after increasing by just 1% in the last month. Now kids, this is where we repeat yet again, that currently in Canada, zero children aged under five have received a single jab, and that except for a few immunocompromised children, zero children aged six to 12 have been boosted. And also that unvaccinated children are 20 times more likely to end up in the hospital if they contract COVID. And one of the best ways to prevent that is to be a triple vaccinated adult. Canada's Chief of Public Health Officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, suggests our vaccination rate may protect us from the worst of the COVID-19 resurgence. While evidence suggests that BA2 is more transmissible than Omicron, and more recent research suggests that it's even more transmissible than than initially believed, scientists in the UK say BA2 is spreading 80% faster than was BA1. The subvariant is spreading at a relatively low, slow rate in Canada so far, and it doesn't appear to cause more severe illness than other variants. And now, unfortunately, there may be an NVOTB—that's new variant on the block. Oh oh oh! Oh oh oh! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> what are you doing there, Mister Grizzly? Seems you're rocking out. Lady Kits Gentle Kits Trans Kits Introducing XE (laughs) The New Zealand Herald reports The World Health Organization Is keeping an eye On a new strain Of the COVID-19 Omicron variant Which appears to be 10% more transmissible Than BA2 Omicron The current strain Circulating in New Zealand XE was first detected in the United Kingdom on January 19th, and over 600 cases have been reported and confirmed since. Early estimates indicate the newest strain has a community growth rate advantage of 10% as compared with BA2. However, this finding requires further confirmation. And if past events are the best predictor of future events, six months from now, someone will declare that XE was, in actuality, more transmissible than first believed because… That's pretty much happened for every variant so far.
1: XE belongs to the Omicron variant until significant differences in transmission and disease characteristics, including severity, may be found. According to a report by
0: the World Health Organization. So, XE, eh? Is that for extra exhausting? Uh <sighs> I guess that's what happens when allegedly world leaders, or alleged, I should say, world leaders just decide. Hmm. COVID got too hard. It's not fun
1: anymore.
0: And then they abandon us. We have been abandoned. As we've been stating over and over on this podcast, Kits, world leaders, and in Canada, our premiers especially, had a duty not just to keep hospital space open, but also to prevent illness and also to prevent virus evolution or mutation. They gave up on the latter two of those early on.
1: They just quit. Well, I I mean, how many many
0: surgeries,
1: how many cancer treatments, how many heart transplants, how many... Of those have been surgery, have been canceled, or somebody who's had like a hip replacement surgery scheduled for however long was suddenly canceled because our Mm. esteemed
0: premiers. I can't even say that with a straight face.
1: No,
0: I think the last estimation was that there are over 600,000 procedures throughout the entire country that have been delayed. 600,000,
1: and these. Money-grubbing assholes are desperately trying to privatize healthcare.
0: Mm-hmm. For its part, the National Advisory Council on Immunizations, or the NACI, still recommends young children get doses of the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine. It is preferred over Moderna as the latter carries a slightly higher risk of heart inflammation in teens. However, because it is slightly more effective, Moderna may be better considered for children with compromised immune systems. The NACI is also set to release national recommendations on fourth doses for elderly populations at higher risk, says the Public Health Agency of Canada. As well, recently released fourth-shot data from Israel shows that there is some benefit for the 50-plus. Yes. Based on it, both the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention affirmed that immunocompromised individuals and people over the age of 50 who received an initial Moderna or Pfizer-BioNTech booster dose at least four months ago are now eligible for another shot of either vaccine. And I suspect that the NACI will probably be announcing that soon. We normally are about two or three weeks behind on those types of things.
1: Yeah, I think for for, uh, 80 plus, they've already recommended the fourth booster the fourth
0: shot, the second booster. Yes, and in certain long-term care homes and stuff like that, people are being given automatically. Uh, If you've already contracted Omicron and are wondering about your natural immunity, the most recent data appears to suggest that reinfection, because apparently you can be reinfected with Omicron, is unlikely over the first two months only. Hmm. Something called molecular clock analysis. Think of it as carbon dating, but for viruses. Well, in that field, researchers have found out that coronaviruses have possibly been on Earth for about 300 million years, rather than tens of thousands of years, as previously thought, which means that coronaviruses would have preceded humans. So maybe it wasn't a
1: meteor that hit
0: and ended the dinosaurs. (laughs) They all got COVID. (laughs) According to epidemiologist Dan Werb and author of The Invisible Siege, The Rise of Coronaviruses and the Search for a Cure, the coronavirus spike protein is designed to engage with a certain part of a cell's wall. And that part happens to be not only common across humans, but also across mice and certain number of bat species among others. Coronaviruses have actually been working on picking the locks of our
1: cells, not just among humans, but among our ancestors, for hundreds of millions of years, potentially. So when humans arrived on the scene, they were already primed to take advantage of the weaknesses in our system that had been there since before our species.
0: That were there with our ancestors. Uh,
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Through molecular clock analysis, researchers believe that the Russian flu of 1889-1890, which caused at least a million deaths, may have actually been a coronavirus event. Mm. RNA, unlike DNA, is very fragile, and therefore it's likely to mutate. It has always been assumed that RNA viruses, such as our coronaviruses, needed very small genomes in order to be able to survive, as the larger ones created more opportunities for something to go wrong in the form of a genetic mutation. But the coronavirus actually has genomes that are a third to a half size larger than anyone had ever thought was possible.
1: You talk to coronavirologists, and they say these things could not have, theoretically, existed on planet Earth. Avowed verb. But wasn't uh, yeah. wasn't RNA a member of the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> oh no, that's RZA. R Z A. Sorry, sorry. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: You know clever. I gotta inject some humor. Clever. in Clever,
0: it. clever. <laughs> and now
1: it's time for our coast to coast to coast COVID and convoy roundup.
0: If you've been following the podcast for some time, when it came to waves three. Through six, though neither mister Grizzly nor I are epidemiologists, grade eleven chemistry was my last formal science class, simply by looking at case trends and now wastewater analysis and hearing what actual doctors, public health officials, virologists, etc. had to say, we were able to warn kids about pulling back at times up to three weeks prior to provincial governments taking actions. We've been able to do that. Yeah. The December-January wave resulted in hitting pandemic peaks in cases, hospitalizations, ICU stays, and deaths, just as the convoy was getting started. When things were at their absolute worst is when COVID is over. Gaslight was shining brightest. This is not over. Be not needlessly concerned, but rather appropriately vigilant. You don't have to lose your minds. You just have to make smart choices. Indeed. Nationally. Flashback to March 24th, 2022.
1: Today, conservatives are calling on the Trudeau government to lift all COVID-19
0: restrictions. Prime Minister Trudeau rightfully ignored you. But your slow learner con cousins in the provinces obeyed. And now, sixth wave great freaking call dumbasses i really want to slap a lot of people (laughs) just line them all up and just
1: just walk one collective slap (laughs) down the line i know It's it's not the right thing to do but i think i might feel some satisfaction for a good 30
0: seconds they are killing people
1: yeah maybe longer than that
0: i'm just i'm not gonna sugarcoat it they're killing people you're right Inmates in correctional facilities say that they are still living under extreme conditions. Nearly half of the facilities have not yet resumed family visits. Many inmates have not seen their loved ones for two years. Okay, Talk look. That's unusual punishment. It,
1: it, exactly. Look, I've, I've worked in a prison. I've worked in a prison. And, and while I was there, I was a little... Uh, I got a little jaded because I saw th- some things and I heard some stuff. But, mm-hmm. without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, we need to still remember that they are constitutionally charter-protected citizens of this nation. hmm They have the right to vote. hmm They have been subjected to cruel and unusual punishment, and I was never one for that, even when I was uh, thinking differently about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cruel and unusual punishment does not uh, diminish crime. If anything, it creates more criminals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't believe me, look at what they've done in Sweden, Finland, Norway,
0: Denmark. Yeah, and given that you know we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of our first female member of parliament, Agnes Macphail, mm-hmm. and she is the one, if you remember, our Canadian yes. heritage moment, right? That brought attention to the situation in the prisons at the time remember that we judge a society by the way it treats its most vulnerable and its incarcerated populations. Indeed. Yeah. Corrections Canada says that some visits are being resumed, but all of those visits are non-contact with glass barrier between. Only 33 of the 61 correctional institutions in Canada allow those types of distance visits. Even though vaccination rates in federal prisons are relatively high. As of April 1st, the government of Canada has dropped the requirement for a valid test result before entering the country. Random testing remains, but without quarantine. Unvaccinated or partially vaccinated passengers will be tested on arrival and eight days later and will need to quarantine. On April 1st, Elizabeth May announced. Tested positive for uh, COVID yesterday. Been
1: in Ottawa since March 20th. Rates here are crazy high. Isolated when I started feeling unwell. This illness is no joke. I do not think I'll be hospitalized, but very sick and angry. Too many people unmasked.
0: Then later, she added,
1: Not as angry as grateful for loving, kind messages. Please, everyone, stay safe. This is no time to be in a crowded indoor spaces.
0: We wish her well. And in CPC Convoy News, Ontario police watchdog says that a 49-year-old grown-ass woman who claimed to have suffered serious injuries after being knocked down by a police horse during the occupation she didn't know better than to leave after the Nazis and Confederates showed up was, (gasps) shocker, lying. (gasps) An investigation revealed she suffered at most a strained shoulder. No word on whether she'll be charged for the false report, leading to yet another unnecessary expenditure of tax dollars and a diversion of investigative resources.
1: Yeah, that was the woman that Fox News, and I say Fox, F-A-U-X News, uh, reported had died because she was trampled by horses. Then, oh, no, no, she didn't die, but she was trampled. Look, if you get trampled by a 2,000-pound animal, you do not survive.
0: Then you emerge with way more than just a strange shoulder. Yeah. Also the reason they bring in
1: the reason they bring in mounted officers is to clear crowds because ninety nine percent of the time crowd sees mounted police officers approaching,
0: you back away. Yeah, when you have a two thousand pound horse lifting its legs up your natural human instinct is going to be the back way, even if you wanted to stand firm. Right now you do need
1: to understand those horses are trained incredibly well, right? They will do anything to avoid stepping on a human being. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they really are cognizant of that. Yeah. But if you step in front of it
0: and you get knocked down, well, you know, you shouldn't have been there because the Nazi flag showed up a week ago or two weeks or three weeks ago by the time that happened. Three weeks. (laughs) Right. Going to the select provinces for which we have information this week. British Columbia. The Safe Schools Coalition, a grassroots group of parents and educators, asked education officials to keep mandatory masking as spring break came to an end for most students. We are seeing
1: students and families that are at risk, who are very concerned about putting their students back into a classroom where there are very few precautions or protections in place. Coalition spokesperson Kienta Martins said. We have seen very few updates to ventilation and filtration in classrooms, and that's only in certain districts. Masks really was
0: our one true protection, and that's been removed. The province also announced that this week it will update its plan to drop the vaccine card. Yeah, I gotta take a moment here to try and,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just sort of digest
0: what we just read. Mm -hmm. Saskatchewan Fourth doses are now available for long-term care residents, as is the case also in Ontario. Ontario There will be government compensation for businesses affected by the CPC convoy The federal government announced an investment of up to $20 million for Ottawa businesses impacted by the demonstration Small businesses can apply for a non-repayable contribution of up to $10,000 for operating costs not covered by other federal programs. The federal government followed that up with a $2.5 million announcement for about 200 local businesses eligible for $10,000 in compensation for being impacted by the Ambassador Bridge closers for a week during the CPC convoy. Oh, and just because I love saying it, Randall Hillier was criminally charged. He also won't be running on the next election because he'll be otherwise occupied. (laughs) In the words of the great philosopher Nelson Muntz,
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, we both had to do that one. I know it's Shannon Freud, right? It's like it's terrible of us to do it. But you know what? You
0: know what? Charles U. Farley. I know somewhere it's wrong to be delighting in this so much, but I really don't care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, so it, it's- I'm only a beaver. I'm only a beaver. I have, <laughs> <Well, laughs> I'm weak. What can I say?
1: Well, I, I love that they're compensating businesses. I, I really do. I think that's great. And that's one step, one step. What about the residents?
0: Yeah, who didn't leap
1: for three weeks? Who 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 were tortured? Who now? Many people in my neighborhood have PTSD.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, something's. I, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if someone's started another lawsuit against the federal government, saying, "Hey, listen, we have material for a class action suit against mm-hmm. these people." So you know, if you're offering, and so then the businesses could participate in the class action suit. So. Well, I mean, so how soon the before the
1: Beltline in Calgary just does the same thing? Because they've yeah. been tortured for the last few weeks, every weekend. And it, it's only for them it's on the weekend. It's yeah. not been seven days a week. It's only on yeah. the weekend. They're yeah. getting a, a an eyedropper of what we got.
0: Yeah. And the Ontario government has... Joined in the compensation, announcing up to $11.5 million in funding to support local businesses and to help Ottawa tourism welcome people back to the nation's capital following the protest. Oh, so Doug does know Ottawa is in Ontario. Yeah, when did somebody in his cabinet must have told him that? Yeah. Oh, did did you see that thing he did? uh, He posted on his Twitter feed uh, this week, the governor general. Went to visit, and we're happy to visit the Governor General to Ontario. It's like you do realize Rito halls in Ottawa,
1: right? Oh, somebody said apparently that was an April Fool's joke, but I'm like, yeah, Doug's. I don't know he
0: he Mm. was a hash
1: dealer. He's not that smart. (laughs) Not saying that drug dealers are dumb, but he's not that smart.
0: And I think he smoked a lot of his own shit. Hmm. A $10 million grant is being established to help businesses with $5,000 in provincial funding to help cover non-deferrable operating expenses incurred during the nearly four-week protest in the downtown core. The grant will be administered by Invest Ottawa. The Ontario government is also investing $1.5 million in Ottawa tourism to help the capital reinforce
1: its brand as a world-class city while encouraging visitor and tourism spending.
0: An assessment of Ontario's early pandemic response revealed that in March 2020, the province could not activate its pandemic response emergency plan as its laboratory network was obsolete, PPE inventory was depleted, and its response team consisted of only eight public servants, none of whom (laughs) were qualified in pandemic response. Which required, of course, recourse to outside consulting firms. To respond, the Ford government is passing an omnibus law requiring an update plan every five years, a guarantee of provincial production for PPE, and faster recognition of credentials of foreign-trained nurses. All good things, but then again, Hmm. we have to confide in Doug Ford to bringing them about, and in the next government, a Doug Ford without Christine Elliott. That's true. Because she's not running again. Yeah. Uh the report states that following the SARS outbreak of the early 2000s similar measures were announced but follow up was surprise abandoned. The province's auditor general has signaled alarm but nothing was done.
1: Wasn't that the Dalton McGuinty government at the time? It could very
0: well be. Yes. I think it was. Yep. Yep. I believe so. Ontario is also passing its own protest bill following removal of the state of emergency. According to the Toronto Star, the Keeping Ontario Open for Business Act would give police additional powers in the event of another blockade attempt, including to impose roadside suspension of driver's licenses and vehicle permits, seize license plates when a vehicle is used in an illegal blockade, and remove and store objects making up an illegal blockade. It would also allow allocate money for training and equipment such as heavy tow trucks. Yes, kids. Because Premier Ford was too impotent among his own demo to get Canadian towing companies to help and thus had to call on U.S. ones to clear the Ambassador Bridge, all of us are now paying for a fleet of provincial towing trucks. Great. Oh, I just checked. Uh, Dalton
1: was the premier um, October 23rd, 2003 to February 11th,
0: 2013. So, yep. And there'll be money to fund training for police on handling large protests. Gee, you think they need that help? Um. (laughs) Ten days after removing mask mandates, experts suspect that Ontario is officially in a sixth wave, though they have not confirmed it yet. Kingston's COVID-19 case rate is four times higher than the January peak of the Omicron wave.
1: And wasn't that like the highest in the country at the time, if memory serves?
0: Yes, at the beginning and higher than certain parts of the world. One of the, it was one of the world's right. hotspots, actually, in the first week. Actually, yeah. which
1: was kind of sad because Kingston had done such a great job up till that point, right?
0: Yeah, but of course, that's the thing with COVID, right? When you're a victim of your success in the first few waves, there's you know, if you look look, look at it as a fire, forest fire, there's a lot of kindling to go through when it comes back,
1: right? Yeah, let let the guard down and look what
0: happens, right? Based on wastewater analysis, the number of cases in Ontario is estimated to be at around 30 to 35,000 cases a day as a result of lifting masking requirements, states chair of the Ontario Science Advisory Table, but not for long because Oxford is calling Dr. Peter Uni. We don't want
1: this to accumulate too many infections at the same time. And why? Because those people who get infected will, in general, get susceptible at the same time again. So do we we don't want the high mountain peak, but we want to have a low hill so that we can distribute
0: infections over time to avoid a yo-yo effect. Wastewater tests in Ottawa show records levels of infection not seen since the beginning of the pandemic.
1: Right now, the balance of power is clearly in favor of the virus because you have so many contacts since drop masks like t-shirts on a beach, said an exasperated uni. Dr. Moore did indicate several times that as we reopened Ontario up, we would see higher levels in the wastewater surveillance. We are confident that we have the capabilities in our hospitals to be able to take care of anyone who needs a hospital bed or needs to be in intensive care. This is something that was suggested we would see in any event, so it's not surprising to us at all
0: said Health Minister Christine Elliott, apparently gaslighting that the fact this does not come as a surprise means that we should just lay back and take it. This is
1: happening all over the world. People are really walking away from this. It's not just the government of Ontario. We've been told for two years that we really have to have the responsibility for the safety and well-being of other people. This is actually a big ethical shift. Now we are being told that you got to figure this out for yourself
0: bemoans University of Toronto bioethicist Carrie Bowman. Infectious diseases expert Isaac Bogosh adds, Just like every other wave, this wave
1: will disproportionately impact vulnerable individuals and vulnerable communities.
0: And these individuals' frustration is palpable. Haley Laxer, a law student who happens to both have cystic fibrosis and has been a liver transplant recipient, says... After two years of isolation,
1: immunocompromised individuals have a right to be able to start living their lives again, like the rest of us. Masking is a very small price to pay to protect all of us from COVID, and most especially, the most vulnerable in society, like myself.
0: Ontarians need a new government. Desperately. One that cares about people more than it cares about highways and development purpose. Next, Québec. On March 3rd, l'Institut National de Santé Publique du Québec declared the province had officially entered a sixth wave, and this probably since mid-March. L'Institut National d'Excellence en Santé et Services Sociaux stated that new hospitalizations could reach 200 per day by the end of the week. Ouch. Yeah. The number of positive tests has tripled, with two-thirds being... BA2 and the number of self-reported positive cases has doubled in the last week. Hospitalizations are on the rise and there is a 60% increase in healthcare workers getting sick. About 10,000 are away from work due to COVID-related reasons. It is also affecting the Assemblée nationale and the work of government. No fewer than 10 MNAs are absent. Two bills have had their review and analysis process delayed as the Minister of Transportation was infected. The Deputy Premier also. And Premier Legault still had symptoms five days following announcement of his infection. To all this, new Public Health Director Le Boileau says,
1: Let's try to live with it. Right now. To work with the capacity of the population to adjust itself with the recommendations. So we are not expecting, and I will not, so far recommended the government to move on with new measures
0: 10,000 healthcare workers out <laughs> let's just work with the capacity of the population to adjust itself because for the last what two years we've seen that we have a, like an exceptionally great track record on relying on that uh-huh however Thank the universe for small mercies, Boileau has been floating the idea that mask mandates may be extended beyond April 15th. Thank goodness. Yeah. The immunocompromised, those living in long-term care and people 80 plus can get a fourth shot as they may have decreased immune capacity, in addition to the fact that they likely got their booster three to four months ago. If spring brings a dramatic increase in hospitalizations, fourth shots could be approved for a wider population. And this week, we learned that at the end of 2020, Quebec researchers identified a Quebec variant that came from France and mutated here. It was concerning...
1: I don't mean to interrupt, but you got to have a Quebecois, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was concerning at the time, as it was the first variant with so many mutations at once. The variant started circulating, but it was rapidly snuffed out by alpha, which was stronger. As Alpha had already taken over, announcement of the Quebec variant was never made public. The incident will soon be the subject of a scientific paper. And as of March 31st, the province will allow residents to obtain Paxlovid by directly consulting with a pharmacist. That's the antiviral uh, medication from from Pfizer. That's an excellent idea. yeah, thus eliminating the need uh, to visit a family doctor and making it much more possible to start treatment in the first three days after manifestation of symptoms because you don't have to wait for a doctor's appointment.
1: That's, that's, that's really a smart thing to do. It really is. That's a very
0: smart thing to do. That should be nationwide, all provinces it and territory. Be. Yes, Just
1: because do- you show up, they go, yeah. <laughs> and a pharmacist would be able to literally figure it out in two seconds, right?
0: Well, the pharmacist spends four years studying the actual drugs. Yes. They'll know more about what you're putting in the body than the doctor. Well, case in
1: point, point, uh, uh, a buddy of mine here in town, local fella, uh, works in media. I'm not going to mention his name because anyway, he went to see a pharmacist because he was complaining about nosebleeds. And as it turned out, she's like, you need to get to the ER immediately. He spent about Mm -hmm. 20 minutes talking with her and she's like, go to the ER right now. He's like, she says, you don't understand. You need to get there immediately. I'm mm-hmm. going to, call, where, which hospital are you going I'm going to call ahead for you. Mm-hmm. He had leukemia. If he had not checked into the hospital that night, it's quite likely he would have died the next day. Yeah. So <laughs> listen to your pharmacist. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. The reason they paid good money. Yeah. Well-educated.
0: Yeah, exactly. The province is also advancing a state of emergency removal law, as Ontario is, that seeks to retain the emergency powers of telemedicine, the ability to offer COVID premiums to uh retired staff to, you know, convince them to come back in case that there's another big wave. And most concerning to the opposition, the ability to award sole source contracts. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Atlantic Canada. Prince Edward Island Premier Dennis King has also contracted COVID and we wish him a speedy, speedy recovery. And that's your coast-to-coast-to-coast COVID and convoy roundup. In international news, the last, last week we reported that the World Health Organization had refused to approve the Medicago vaccine authorized for use by Health Canada in February. The WHO did not accept Medicago's application to be added to the list of vaccines approved on an emergency basis because it has a strict policy not to engage with companies that promote tobacco. And tobacco company Philip Morris owns about one-fifth of Medicago. According to CP News 24, CP24 News, I should say, that policy could change as the WHO enters into discussions to explore different policy options for health products linked to the tobacco industry. The
1: WHO is currently holding discussions on how to address a general trend of the tobacco industry investing in the health industry,
0: the organization said. Medicago's application could be reviewed once the WHO makes a decision. University of Ottawa law professor David Sweener, who has made a career of going after tobacco companies in court, says the WHO's current policy is absolutist to the point of absurdity and overdue for review. When it comes to tobacco companies investing in, a pharma- in pharmaceuticals, not only does the policy deprive the world of potentially life-saving medicine, it also discourages the companies from diversifying away from the sale of cigarettes, he said.
1: What we want the companies to do is have an incentive to sell less hazardous products and life-enhancing products, and less incentive to have to sell the deadly products.
0: Mm-hmm. The federal government signed an agreement with Medicago in 2020 to buy 20 million doses once the vaccine was approved by Health Canada, with an option to purchase 56 million more. The government's ability to donate those doses to countries in need could be seriously impeded without WHO emergency approval. A WHO emergency use license is required for a vaccine to be used by the COVAX Vaccine Sharing Alliance which is the main mechanism for helping to get vaccines to people in countries that can't afford to buy them. Without WHO approval, Canada would not be able to donate any of its doses to the Alliance, which is desperate for them to reach its goal of vaccinating 70% of the people in every country by July. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos says he will work with the company and Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne in hopes of convincing the WHO to reconsider its initial decision on the Medicago vaccine. In a statement... Health Canada said the government can also work with individual countries to donate surplus doses. The doses are not immediately needed in Canada as more than 89% of adults over the age of 18 have already had two doses of an approved vaccine as of March 20th. Medicago shots could come in handy as part of Canada's domestic vaccine stranger later on though, Duclos said. We need to protect uh, against those new
1: variants and those new waves. Protecting means enlarging the set of tools that we will be able to draw on when these new variants and these new waves will come.
0: Worldwide, 58% of the world is fully vaccinated and 65% has received one dose. On the African continent, 20.5% are partially vaccinated, 15.7% have two doses, and 1.3 have received boosters. And once again, kids, we say these numbers because until everybody is protected everywhere a new variant can come up and send us back to square one mm. also everywhere. Japan has lifted national COVID restrictions, so things are going better there. And in Hong Kong, the flight ban, uh, flight bans uh, in nine countries have also been lifted. In the city of Shanghai, however, the Chinese government has called in the military to test citizens. Uh, they divide the city into east and west, and for four days, they shut down the entire east side, and then had everybody tested and then uh they did the same for the west uh and that's still going on at the moment i believe Shanghai's in addition is shanghai 26 million i think yeah it's a, like 8 million or something it's that's a lot of people
1: well 26 with the outline areas and everything it's yes. a big city yeah
0: yeah in addition the shanghai international airport is closed to international travelers until at least the month of may uh, some people going to Shanghai are being rerouted to airports within China, up to two thousand kilometers away. Wow, that's a long way to get home. <laughs> yeah, better
1: believe it, man.
0: Wow. Ba two, yeah. Ba two is they're serious when they say that it's COVID zero policy. They're not. They're not messing around. Ba two is now the dominant strain in the USA, making up over fifty percent of the infections. And that's this week's COVID update. Kits. We'll be back after this.
1: Well, hello friends. It's your good buddy, Mr. Grizzly. And uh and Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver's joining me. And uh, well, today, we're hoping you can give us a hand, a hand up or a handout, or a help up. I don't know. You pick the verbiage that best suits your ideal. Here's the thing. We incur a lot of costs while we're doing this. Uh, I've invested a few thousand dollars on new equipment. And to be honest with you, I have no problem with it. But It'd be nice if we could recoup a little bit of that because, you know, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> Far from it. So, if you guys and gals and they and them like what we're doing and you want to help us out, it'd be awesome if you could go to our coffee page, toss us a couple of bucks. Mr. Beaver.
0: Yeah. Um We love doing this, clearly. We have a good time doing it. And uh, as the show is getting bigger and we're getting more feedback and participation uh, from you kids, uh, it makes our day and it gives us uh, motivation uh, to work harder and uh, come up with uh, great interview guests. We definitely have some lined up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Normally we keep up a surprise, but should we just give some teasers? Give them the teasers, brother. Uh, We've been talking to Cindy Blackstock. We're trying to set a date. Uh, We're trying to set a date with uh, Francis Hordelsky, who used to be the chief anchor at uh, the Business News Network, so we can have some uh, talk about economics. Uh, We uh, tried to get uh, uh, polling analyst and political analyst Evan Scrimshaw. Uh, So we're waiting to hear from him as well. Uh, We have uh, Murray Billett, uh, who was a a big activist uh, in terms of the Uh, gay rights and bringing about uh, the recognition of uh, gays and lesbians in the charter uh, way back in the day. So uh, we have some uh, interesting guests uh, lined up for you. And uh, we're going to try to get uh, uh, David uh, Moscrop back because uh, there's an election coming. And well, (laughs) we like his views are always interesting
1: (laughs) well that and and also the fact that um he's got some interesting takes on this current situation that he's living through as well because he doesn't live too far from me i don't like i know the general vicinity of where he resides and it and, and he's close to the action that i'm in the middle of so take it from mr grizzly blue jacket guy We really would like to hear from you. We really would. We really could use a couple of bucks from you. Whatever you can spare. I'm not asking for anything big. If you can help us out, that's wonderful. And we appreciate it. And we really appreciate the fact that you listen in and provide commentary. Thanks.
0: Hey, kids. Thank you for staying with us. Um, Because we always tell you how the sausage is made, we're a little further in time. We're two days later, April 7th, and we're finishing off the show so that we can get it out for you. But uh, there's been an update to the COVID information, and we wanted to get it out to you rather than waiting to the next flagship show. Canada's National Advisory Committee, Committee on Immunization recommended on April 5th that provinces and territories get ready to offer fourth doses of COVID-19 vaccines in the coming weeks, starting with people over the age of 80 and long-term care residents. The Nasi also advised that a second booster be offered to people between 70 and 79 years of age and to people from First Nations, Métis, and Inuit communities roughly six months after receiving their first booster shots. However, several provinces have already started offering a fourth dose to higher risk groups with plan to expand eligibility soon. So we're going to give you a quick coast to coast to coast on what the fourth dose situations are where you are. And this is, uh, if you want to reference this again, it's a CTV article that came out that's titled Where in Canada are fourth COVID vaccine doses being offered and to whom? So I'm just basically reading from this uh, for you kids. British Columbia is offering a fourth dose of COVID-19 vaccines to seniors, starting with residents of long-term care and assisted living homes six months after receiving their third shot. People over age 70 in the community, Indigenous people 55 and up, and those who are clinically extremely vulnerable will also be included in a vaccination campaign that will ramp up through the spring. In Alberta, beginning April 12th, eligibility requirements for a fourth dose of the COVID-19 vaccine will be expanded to those who are ages 70 and older, as well as First Nations, Métis and Inuit people 65 and older. All seniors in congregate care, regardless of age, can also receive a second booster shot. Immunocompromised children 12 and older also qualify for a second booster. A full list of eligible immunocompromising conditions is available on the province's website. For Saskatchewan, fourth shots are currently available for residents of long term care, special care, and personal care homes five months after their third dose. A second booster is also available for immunocompromised individuals who fall into categories, again, which you can see on that province's website three months after their first booster. In Manitoba, youth and adults, and which is anyone over the age of 12 for these purposes, who are moderately to severely immunocompromised are advised to consider a fourth shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. This includes cancer patients receiving chemotherapy, organ transplant recipients, as well as those taking medications that affect the immune system. The province recommends residents aged 50 and older and individuals aged 18 and older who live in a First Nations community receive the fourth jab five months after their last dose. All other youth and adults who are currently eligible are advised to get a fourth shot six months after the third dose. In Ontario, Ontario residents aged 60 and older will be eligible for a fourth COVID-19 vaccine dose starting April 7th. The province says First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people and their non-Indigenous household members aged 18 and above will also be eligible for a second booster shot at that time. Second booster doses are being offered to these individuals at a recommended interval of five months after having received their first booster. Fourth doses are already available to long-term care and retirement home residents, as well as immunocompromised people in Ontario. In Quebec, residents who are 70 and older will be eligible for a second booster shot on April 6th, and those aged 60 and older will qualify as of April 11th. Those looking to get the additional shot will need to wait at least three months after their previous dose. Quebec has already opened access to fourth doses to those living in long-term care homes, people 80 and older in the community, and others deemed to be at high risk. In New Brunswick, Fourth doses are currently only available and recommended for immunocompromised individuals aged 12 and older at least five months after their third dose. In Nova Scotia, seniors aged 80 and older, nursing home residents and seniors living in group settings will soon be eligible for a fourth dose of vaccine to help reduce the impact of COVID-19, with more details on the rollout expected in the coming days. Currently, only those over the age of 12 who are immunocompromised are eligible to receive a fourth dose about 168 days after their third shot. Certain individuals aged 12 and over who are immunocompromised may qualify for a fourth dose in Prince Edward Island three months after completing their three dose primary vaccine series. Individuals who are eligible for a fourth dose will be required to provide a letter from their healthcare provider confirming their eligibility or a copy of a prescription for a qualifying immunosuppressant medication. And I'd like to add here that I really like that Prince Edward Island is already calling it a three-dose primary vaccine series because that's what it is. It's not two and a booster. So progressive conservative government doing the right thing. Got to give the credit when it's due. Absolutely.
1: And again, key word there. Progressive conservative.
0: Yes. in Newfoundland and Labrador currently offers a fourth dose of immunocompromised, for immunocompromised residents aged 12 and older at least 22 weeks after receiving their third dose. In Yukon territory, uh, they have not issued guidance or eligibility for second booster shots. In the Northwest Territories... They recommend immunocompromised individuals aged 12 and older, as well as individuals over the age of 80, get a second booster shot six months following their third dose. Residents who are aged 60 years and older living in long-term care facilities or other congregate settings are also eligible for a fourth shot. And Nunavut, uh, as uh, is the case for Yukon, has not issued guidance for eligibility for a second booster shot yet. So there you have it, kids. You're up to date. You know what's happening for our fourth doses. And this information uh, was compiled over the last two days. So it's the freshest information out there at the moment. Well, kids, that's the end of this special episode of the Eager Beaver podcast, our coast-to-coast-to-coast COVID update special. We hope you love listening to us because we loved making this for you. And because democracy is something you do, Times are tough. So if you have an opportunity to give to your local food bank, please do. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, Player, FM, and pretty much everywhere else. I, I don't know everywhere we are now, but uh, we're growing, Mr. Grizzly. So we it are. seems that we're on a whole bunch of other feeds. Our numbers have been going up, which is really nice. We'll do our to best. Our friends,
1: pardon? We'll do our best to get out, to get get out to as many people as we possibly
0: can. Absolutely. Tell your friends, please, 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 please tell your friends, of course, retweets, shares, gentle corrections, constructive criticism, compliments, requests and positive reviews are always welcome. If you happen to be listening to us on a podcast service that allows for reviews or ratings, please give us some stars, give us as many as you think we deserve. And if you wish to subscribe, you can do that via our new pod page site, podpage.com slash the true north eager beaver with a hyphen between each of those words, all in lowercase. And finally, if you really, really, really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. So please feel free to buy a cup of coffee for Mr. Grizzly here. And I think I want a Caesar this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a yeah, Caesar this week. Be our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, one word lowercase letters that's ko hyphen fi.com slash eager beaver from the beaver lodge this is your eager beaver saying until next time dear kids it can be a tough world out there so be kind to and gentle with yourself mr Grizzly, do you have some words of wisdom for us you know what i I actually not two minutes
1: ago i had a really great thought and, and i wanted to share it with everybody and then here's what happened. You said Clamato juice, and now all I can, or, or, or Caesar, now all I can think of is potato water and Clamato juice. Ah. Like I can, honest to goodness, I had, I'm like, oh, this will be, a, this he's going to ask me the question, and I've got a real good solid one, and I must be tired because it, it's gone. It is, like, gone. It's not, so I don't pulled. even, I can't, I, I have no semblance of what that thought was. So you pulled a homer, I said Caesar. I did. Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> mm, dear. i'm sorry kids i don't i honestly i did i had something
0: uh, thoughtful poignant emotional it's gone it's gone mr uh, eager beaver's words of wisdom write down your thoughts kids <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad idea you know Uh, the True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration research story and guest curation and copy written by the Eager Beaver if you remember it before we're out Mr. Grizzly go ahead recording production editing and additional research by Mr. Grizzly music courtesy of Ben Sound royalty free music once again thank you to our founding sponsors The Peppermaster The Miss V Mysteries from Corbid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We'll talk to you soon, kids. Bye. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga.